Welcome to Quit Bleeping Around, a podcast dedicated to helping you achieve more in life. Here's your host, Christina Eanes. Hey, Super Achievers. In this episode, I'm interviewing Evan Knox. Evan is the Chief Marketing Officer of Caffeine Marketing, where he makes the marketing world easier for small companies to navigate. Welcome, Evan. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, thanks so much. I'm really glad to hang out and have this conversation. Well, we met through LinkedIn and I found it fascinating what you do. So before we get into the topic today, can you share a little bit about what you do and maybe even your passions outside of work hint hint? <laughs> yeah, totally. Golly, I have so many. So um, the the top ones that come to mind is the first one is I'm mainly functioning as the founder and CEO of Caffeine Marketing. And we make profitable marketing easy for small companies that are doing less than $25 million in revenue. Uh, the other things that I'm involved in is I'm a co- like a partner in a fly fishing guide business. So I serve as the CMO there. I'm also the CMO of a little micro pri- private equity group. I joke because I'm like, y'all, we are not actually like legit private equity. <laughs> like we, we're going to bundle <laughs> these things together and sell them to real private equity. Um, so that's another fun thing. And then I also just created a new branch of my caffeine, um, you know, family. It's called Caffeine Labs. And it's essentially laying out the blueprint that I've used to double my company's revenue every year for the last three years. Um, so that's been just an absolute blast to be able to teach other entrepreneurs and business owners that same framework. Oh, cool. And then you also like racing, right? Yeah, we were just talking about this. It's like, <laughs> I don't know if I'd be any good at this. You know, I used to ride motocross and not, I mean, I was only in like a few like uh, more casual than like legit official races, but I fractured two vertebrae and I've ever since wanted to Ooh. like, yeah, crazy, right? Um, I've ever since wanted to do something with like side by sides and like do some sort of off road racing. And I have no idea if I'll actually be that good at it. I just am convinced I would be. Um, so I don't know. I'm like trying to convince my wife I need to like buy one and try that, but I have no time, right? Like it's like, where's this time yeah. gonna come from? Yeah. Well, I mean, you sound like a super achiever, so I could see you excelling at that as well. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Marketing and, um, you know, racing might be different skill sets, but who knows? Maybe they're the same. <laughs> oh, I'm sure we could find some connection there. Yeah, absolutely. And especially after your, um, you know, we were talking before this about your book and how, you know, all these escape rooms are now write-offs for you. I'm just going to, I have to write a book now about racing (laughs) so that I can write all my racing stuff off. Yeah. Yeah. About your learning experience as you go through it. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Overcoming the, uh, whatever challenges, et cetera. Right. But so for our topic today, uh, you were going to talk to us about gaining more influence at work. So yeah. How do we do that? Well, there's a couple of things that come to mind. And I think this is especially important for um, the millennial age group um, or that above and a little below. Um, but also for those who have been in their career a while and are probably dissatisfied with where they're at. Um, I think maybe maybe this could just be me, but um, having worked for other people, I feel like I'm often really ambitious and I want influence and I want leadership very quickly. And I was like, there's no tangible way to do this. Like, how do I, you know, how do I actually get to that point? And so that's when I really started to pay attention of how do I actually gain influence in the workplace? And then I've also led people and go, oh, that is a way to lose influence really quickly. Or that's how that person just earned my trust or whichever. Um, so I feel like it's really applicable for every age group. Uh, but the process of it, I feel like is, is very similar along, like along the way. So, 
Nice. Let's let's dive into it. What do we yeah. do? Well, um, ultimately, influence, I think, first comes down to faithfulness. So when I look at people who have either worked for me or when I've tried, when I've gained influence at the places that I've worked at, um, the number one key is faithfulness. And so faithfulness is essentially uh, being trustworthy with what you've actually been given. So if I hand somebody a project and they execute it, um, and they execute it at or above where they said they were going to do or we agreed upon, um, I now trust that person. And so gradually yeah. over time, if that person's continually being faithful, um, they're going to gain more and more influence. And that, you know, when I've worked for people, there's been projects where I feel like I've either like um, something could have fallen to the cracks. Like as of this moment, uh, COVID-19 is uh, rampant and um, we're trying to figure out what that means to our economy and uh, small business owners. But I feel like if I was an employee, I would I could be easily just like distracted and just become totally just disconnected from work. And I think it's in this moment that you've got an opportunity to prove your faithfulness um, to like continue to follow through on projects that you've committed to, continue to be active, communicating with your teams. Um, so the first key is ultimately just being faithful, faithful with what you've been given um, and following through the things that have been asked of you and doing them to the best of your ability and ultimately building that trust. Nice. Yeah. So we have so, trust. We got yes, the faithfulness. What do we have uh, next? So that, you know, faithfulness being the number one key and that mainly looking like building that trust. Number two, I would say is self-awareness. Uh, I, <laughs> I look back, uh, my Facebook timeline, it shows me memories, you know, it'll, I think it does it for all of us. And so I'll yeah. look on the memories category and I'm not kidding you. There are so many times I look on that and I'm like, what the heck were you thinking? <laughs> I think there's a lot of us right there with you. (laughs) Yes. And I'm like, you are so embarrassing. Like, you know, it's ridiculous. Like, what were you posting? And, um, you know, there are any, any number of ways, like I 18 year old and 17 year old me was just like, golly, just a a hot mess of so many things, right? Like faith has been important to me since I was like 13 or 14. So like you see these like, very unapologetic uh, statements about faith, which I'm like, that's not really helpful for most people where they're at right now. Like I'll say stuff like that. Um, I'll also say things like, I don't know, like I'm going off-roading with friends when I'm like 17, you know, and I'm like talking about that and thinking I'm so cool. Um, (laughs) So just like complete lack of self-awareness, like just not having it, not there at all. And I would say that as I looked at, um, the opportunities or like the seasons in my life where I've really grown in influence. And honestly, this is not a young person thing or, you know, whatever, this is a, a person thing. And so the people that don't have self-awareness, they ultimately are going to self-sabotage and they're not going to be able to face reality and understand why they're not gaining influence at work. And so it's really hard to understand if you're self-aware or not, because, um, you know, like if you struggle with self-awareness, you probably don't know, you know, you're probably just thinking, oh, I'm fine. It's other people that are the problem here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And so I, I think ultimately, if you can just build in self-awareness, self-awareness uh, can take a couple of different stages and um, there's often self-awareness retroactively. And so like looking back on the past and saying, okay, what did I do? Why was I doing that? How did that make me feel? So looking back in the past, and then the next one is really uh, in real time. So understanding, uh, okay, why am I, why did I just say that? Like, why did that come out of my mouth? Like I was in a meeting yesterday and I said something and I honestly like, I like to think my heart's pretty good, uh, but like 
I just said something and it was like kind of like a backhand comment to somebody who wasn't even in the room. And then I, th- I literally was like, why the heck did I just say that? That's not <laughs> even helpful. You know, like, yeah. And so immediately I was like, I'm so sorry. Like I said that and I was like, I don't even, that was weird. I'm so sorry. Like that was my fault. I shouldn't have said that. And it really wasn't a big deal. Most people probably wouldn't have cared, but I was just trying to pay attention to like what I was saying and like, why was I saying that? Um, and I could probably ultimately dissect that self-awareness and be like, oh, I was trying to like, uh, I don't know this for a fact, so I didn't actually think this all the way through. But um, let's say, for example, in this scenario, I was saying that to either try to establish authority, like to say, hey, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't think that's the right thing to do, uh, which is probably likely, honestly. Um, or the other one is I was just trying to make it known that like, hey, I don't think we should do that. Like, I just don't think that that's the best thing that we should do. Uh, yeah. So it's probably a mix of two, but like understanding that as you, like right after you say it, I think is important. But then maybe the pinnacle of self-awareness is this, why, like I'm about to say something or I'm about to do something and going, wait, wait, why do I want to do that? Why is, what's the thing driving me? And so if we can master that self-awareness, we're ultimately going to be um, at peace with ourselves, but we're going to have better interactions with other people because we're going to know how we're coming across. And so you know, there's a guy who just like really wanted to um, work for caffeine. And I was like, you know, he's just very persistent. And I was, you know, I appreciate that to a certain degree. I can relate. And he's like, all right, let's, you know, what long story short, I was like, all right, I'll give you a phone call. Let's talk. And he's late for the phone call. Oh, like, no. Bro, like, I didn't. <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's self-awareness of like, hey, I need to like come off professional here. You know, I need to like, <laughs> I feel bad for her. I texted my wife and she was like, and I'm not trying to be like, you know, mm, whatever, you know, you're wasting my time. That's not at all my demeanor in the whole thing. But like, um, I texted my wife and she was like, oh, that's totally your pet peeve. And I was like, yeah, hundred <laughs> uh, percent. So anyway. Well, I, that like, feeds into trustworthiness as well, right? Yeah. yeah the self-awareness. Yeah. To communicate effectively and be aware of your tendencies and what's the appropriate thing to do in the right situation. Yeah. So I can see how those are totally interrelated. Right. So if I'm looking at that and I go, okay, he's probably not self-aware if he doesn't understand that. Like that's like an important thing to be timely, et cetera. And then secondarily, you're right. It's he is not being faithful to do the thing that he committed to do. So am I really going to trust him with a client? Mm, probably not. <laughs> yeah. Um, so number one is faithfulness. Number two is that self-awareness. And a great question, uh, a friend of mine, oh, I say a friend of a friend, really, um, he asks a lot is, what's it like to be on the other side of me? And oh. Yeah, right? Scary question. Scary question to ask. And if you are going to ask that question, I would just really, you need to decide and verbally tell the person, all right, I'm going to ask you this question. I want you to answer honestly. Um, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to like argue with you. I'm not going to defend myself. I'm just going to receive that feedback. You don't have to take it as truth, but I'm going to receive it. And I'm going to, I'm going to digest it. So, and honest, the another thing is that one of the, the people that I've hated working for, like there's probably two or three people that come to mind and I absolutely just, it was a miserable season of my life uh, working for these people. And it was in that season that I grew in my self-awareness more than I ever have because I was forced in that moment to not give them an inch or a sliver to like use against me. And so yeah. as sucky as that is, um, 
I ultimately became a lot more self-aware because I was like, hey, I can't be perceived wrong at all. Like I have to go above and beyond here to over communicate, to like, you know, to be professional, to, you know, wh- whatever the case may be to like, ass- you know, assume positive intent, uh, et cetera. All of that, I have to be very dialed in to like how I'm coming across because I can't give them any ammo against me, which is kind of sad in retrospect to go, eh, I have to do that. But um, it r- ultimately helped me grow. And so if, you know, you're out there listening to this and you're under tough leadership or leadership that you don't like that um, can often abuse their power. I mean, that's an awesome opportunity to grow in your self-awareness. Yeah. Adversity grows us. A hundred percent. So yeah. the third thing would be humility. Um, I would say the, you know, self-awareness and humility are not uh, my two natural gifts. <laughs> and <laughs> I feel like my mom one day when I was like, you know, I was in my teens or something and she, she was, I don't even know if she remembers this or she would even tell me this. Yeah, I said that, but, um, she said some comment. She was like, well, you definitely don't struggle with humility. And I was like, <laughs> ow, like, you know, like, um, that hurt, you know, from my own mom. Um, but she was being truthful. Right. So that feedback was helpful. And, yeah. um, there are so many times of self-sabotage cause I was just, you know, thinking I was all that in a bag of chips and I lost it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Um, yeah, this is just confession time, really. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, humility, I don't have, I'm not, I say that to as a precursor to say, I'm not coming from this in a spot of like, I've mastered it. I'm the pinnacle of humility. I am definitely not. And that's not a like way to say that, like to try to be humble about it. I'm just really like, it's not, uh, it's something that I have to pay attention to. Um, and I think humility can often take different forms. I think people have possibly a wrong perception of what humility looks like. Uh, humility is not necessarily looking down upon yourself and just being like, Oh, I, I'm not like not being confident, um, or just not being like sure of yourself or which whatever. Um, I think some of the most confident and, uh, sure of themselves, people are humble. And a lot, I've got a couple of favorite definitions of humility. One is thinking of others more than yourself. And it's really just being concerned about other people than yourself. And if you're trying to get something, affirmation from somebody, most likely it's insecurity. And so the prideful Evan uh, often is not a, I think I'm all that in a bag of chips. Like when I actually feel confident, I don't really need anyone to like know or, you know, affirm me or whatever. It's insecure Evan that like compensates with pride and leans into pride. And so for those out there who it's like, no, I can't be wrong. Or, you know, I just really feel like they're just trying to have this perception. Like if ultimately I think if you are concerned with how people perceive you and not in self-awareness, there's like a key distinction here. It's like self-awareness is an understanding, but not a concern. Um, and he, like, insecurity is like, I'm genuinely like, I'm scared of what people think about me. Ultimately, you're going to land in the camp of uh, either, you know, prideful or insecure. And I think they're really the same thing. They just manifest themselves differently. And so humility has to come from a place of I am finding the resolve within myself that I am enough. And there might be changes that I might need to make, you know, in that self-awareness category. But ultimately, like, I'm enough the way that I am. Um, And I personally, like with my faith, it's like, I think that if Jesus was willing to down a cross for me, like I have some value, you know, like, yeah. uh, and so I lean into that as like my source of, um, you know what he thinks I'm valuable. So that's enough for me. And so that's, there you go. 
Yeah, totally. And that's an easy process. None of this happens overnight. This is like uh, many, many times of messing this up and leaning on <laughs> Not gonna trial and error. A hundred percent. Yeah. Uh, I've got one more thing that I think is like probably the easiest way to to gain influence at work. Um, and I, I want to say that I think that even if you do this fourth one, um, it's really important that you do the other three because if you don't do the other three, you won't keep the influence. So right. this last one is like, is almost like a secret hack. So like if you're new at work um, or you've messed it up and you want another shot of having influence at work, um, I really think that this is the, the secret sauce and it's ultimately to bring clarity into a situation. And so if you were able, and honestly, this is the times when I've personally gained so much influence so very quickly is by bringing clarity uh, often verbally and not necessarily a suggestion, but like when there's a lack of clarity around a problem or an issue or we're going forward. And if I'm able to articulate that, wrap it and package it and present it to leadership, um, I ultimately have like just like skyrocketed my, you know, their perception of me with my faithfulness. Um, and it's almost like, wow, like he thought that through or she thought that through, whichever. And when you bring clarity into those situations, people see you as the guide in the scenario. And so, um, I use this framework called StoryBrand. I'm a StoryBrand certified guide. Essentially, you want to position yourself as the guide in the marketing, your marketing framework. And you're like, you're not the hero, you're the guide. And so you ultimately want to like help your customers get what they want. And at work, it's a similar idea in that it's not, you're not there to be the hero of the day. You're there to be the guide. And so whatever your leadership or your employer uh, or your clients really are looking for, what they're lacking clarity around, they can't seem to solve, it's their pain point. If you can bring clarity and solution, you will exponentially grow your influence uh, with those people. Oh, I love that. Uh, well, and I love because I'm very familiar with right, the hero's journey. And yeah, you definitely want to be the guide and the hero comes to you. That's your client, your boss or whoever is, you know, that you have that. Well, I, and I like on the humility, I was, I thought about outward mindset, you know, so that person mm -hmm. that you have the outward mindset, how can it be of service to them? Yeah. Instead of being wrapped up in all my own stuff. So I can see how all of this is interconnected and it plays well together to help you gain influence at work. I love it. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> Hopefully it helps now you to be successful. Oh, yeah. I'm sure it will. Um, now, you have mentioned several times uh, caffeine marketing. So can you share a little bit about the services uh, that you provide? Yeah. So I... We pride ourselves in being a company that will try to only work with people that we know our marketing will be profitable for. So small business owners out there, I feel like it, you know, I've seen it because because my dad was an entrepreneur, a small business owner, so was my grandfather. I saw it every single day growing up. They would throw things on the wall and hope something like would actually stick. And so <laughs> it's very real. And you know it. Uh, it's very real. Um, and so Marketing can feel intimidating. Uh, it can feel hard and challenging, and you're not sure if it's actually profitable. So we make prof marketing profitable for small companies, and we make it really easy for them. Um, so we start with a strategy, and so we build out a strategy on our intake calls. We say we get to know the business, get to know understand what their revenue streams are, um, what their current marketing model is, and if they have one at all, and then we help them like basically fabricate one from the very first meeting. So we okay, based off what you said to us, based off your uh, the margin in your products based off your current sales cycle, based off all these other factors. Here's what we think is going to be the most profitable marketing for you. And so then we present three solutions based off their budget, where they're at. 
Typically, it's going to, you know, depending on what the project involves, it's either going to involve some sort of website overhaul, um, maybe creating some sort of lead generator on their website in, order, in like a onboarding sequence of emails that turn subscribers into customers. It often looks like Facebook ads um, or YouTube ads. Um, essentially, anything to build a sales funnel and a marketing funnel that's going to make marketing profitable for these small companies. Nice. I love that mission in life. And you're definitely... Uh, using that to help people gain more influence in the market. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so <clears throat> lots of great advice. I love the four areas uh, to gain more influence at work. Is there any final piece of advice or wisdom you'd like to share with the listeners? The thing that just came to my mind is I think if we could just keep a, our eyes on what matters 100 years from now um, and what ultimately gonna, is going to matter to you 100 years from now. Is that legacy? Is that the way that you loved your family um, and your friends? Is that uh, if you believe in Jesus and heaven and all that stuff, like, is that the thing that's the most important to you 100 years from now? Because I think, especially in this like weird, such a weird time when we're recording this of uh, you know COVID-19, the coronavirus, there's like a, a scarcity mindset. It's like, I'm yeah. so unsure of the future. And so if we could just keep our eyes, I would encourage you listeners, just keep your eyes on what matters a hundred years from now and take a deep breath because everything's going to be okay. Nice. I love that. Words that people need to hear right now, especially when they are uh, stockpiling that toilet paper. <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much for joining us today, Evan. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. If you'd like to learn more about Evan, visit his websites at evannox.com or caffeine.marketing. Does your organization need a proven leadership development program? Visit christinaeans.com for more information.